outside. Jeff Smith, he didn't get there. Fumbles the football. Oklahoma takes over. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Inside OU podcast, live as a podcast can be live from Vanessa House, our favorite brewery in Oklahoma City. We're doing this one outside because of two reasons. One, the weather is awesome. It's not uh, too windy, and the wind itself is not frigid-ass cold, which it was like yesterday. And also, it's kind of busy inside of Vanessa, which is a great thing. They're slowly getting back to normal business like I used to remember before the dark times. If we're outside for every podcast from here on out, I would be that would be amazing. I would not complain. Uh, I would not believable. Com- that is Keegan Renault. I am Brady Trantham and we are your um, we're not very humble. We like to brag about ourselves a little too much. Don't put yourself th- just say it about me. Just say You okay, you you like the clout, you know. You you, you like the clout. The clout is in very important and I'm going to go ahead and say uh, that I apologize to this uh, lovely couple sitting next to us. They're probably an earshot, so <laughs> they're going to have to be subjected to an OU podcast. So I, I hope to God that they like OU football or a little bit of OU basketball. I don't know if they can hear us. What if they're Tulsa fans? What if? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it, as long as they're not Texas fans, I think they're good tonight. Well, no, they're, they're in good hands with you. Well, I just went to Austin. Oh, boy. Well, let's just say a good friend of the podcast steve sarkeesian go ahead and say it <sighs> yeah no frequent listener of the inside ou podcast <laughs> <laughs> a good actually we were mentioned talking about him before we came on the podcast he is he is harder on the new hire for texas basketball than i ever was on sam ellinger and you knew did you just make an erection metaphor i, I you just said we, I, we, we talked he, about he, the seduction uh, okay. thing on Tuesday. Well, that was is that, this is this where we're going? That was on through the keyhole. There's oh, a, there's a paywall there, so we're not making. That's on Patreon. Yeah, it's on Patreon.com/slash through the keyhole. Oh, and uh, not that only inside OU subscribers, followers, or what have you who have no who have no reason or no desire to you know subscribe to our Patreon page. Not that they care about this, but I did want to mention we cracked 100 patrons. Yesterday mm. and oh my god, it was so great to see. I'm so thankful. Talking I'm, so, about seduction, it is. I was so happy to see that. I mean, Keegan, we were in this building three weeks ago, I believe, three or four weeks ago, and we had somewhere in the 70s or the 80s of patrons. And I said, "Hey, let's get let's get 100 before the end of spring football." And we barely scratched the surface of spring football. We have, and I'm very excited because like, we've talked about this week. You and I have. That is, we, I mean, we haven't even scratched the surface of what we're going to do. and I haven't scratched the surface of this des- destination wedding uh, survey, so, oh, my God, it's good. Yes. I walked here, by the way. Good. Walked here, by the way, about two miles from my apartment, and it was much ho- hotter than I anticipated. And I'm hauling my backpack with all this gear. Mm-hmm. And about halfway through, I was like, this, I immediately regret this decision. That but then you got the destination wedding. Oh, it was worth it. On 8th and Broadway. Yes. At Vanessa House. And, of course, on Thursdays, everybody, this is actually really cool. I bartended last Thursday, if you all remember. Uh, thanks again to Ryan Chapman for filling in for me and did a great job. Uh, follow Ryan on Twitter at Radios Ryan from SISooners.com. Um, Thursday nights at Vanessa House, they do Bingo Bango Songo. It's a lot of fun. And bartending, even, like not even having a drink that night. It was a lot of fun just to be on the other side. So I can only imagine how much fun it is um, actually during during it. We're, we're starting to record around 6.30, so I don't know if we're going to be able to play Keegan, but we'll at least be able to hear it. And tonight, they're doing emo music. Okay. Uh, it was not 
a big like I like rock and heavy metal. Was never really into the emo so. Scene. What are we, are we talking like screaming? Well, what a lot of people mischaracterize, you know, stereotypically is like metal. Yeah. yeah. You know, like the screaming crap or like what was it like Black Parade or something like that or Bullet for My Valentine. I don't know. I, I, I was just about to throw I, out I, some random band panic names at and the you were going to get really mad. Panic at the Disco. That you know that one. <laughs> That one. Uh, not a big emo fan, but I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. So, like, what kind of, I mean, I, did, we're, I don't know if we want to deep dive into this, but what kind of music does that entail? I, emo? Yes. Well, just usually a four- or five-piece band, guys that play, guys or girls that play guitar, drums, lead singer, bass guitar. It's a ro- it's rock music. It's just real high schooly and teen okay. angsty. Okay, and there we go. Like my, no girls like me in high school because I jet black my hair and straighten it to the side and wear, you know, all these tight ass pants. And there's it, a kid it, on TikTok w- like that, which is okay. That makes a lot more sense now. It's so funny how like we were so preoccupied with like bullshit in high school mm-hmm. that I mean, three, four years removed from it, you realize how pointless it was to care about all that, and, and especially when you kind of slowly realize as you become an adult how actually cool it is to be weird and a nerd. And maybe this is like a part of Twitter and social media, but I mean, I don't know about you, Keegan. I was death, deathly afraid and ashamed of any girl I knew in high school to know that I liked Lord of the Rings, like the book. I was deathly afraid of any girl to understand or know that I read like HP Lovecraft horror stuff, like science fiction crap. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, and I, I think it's because of Twitter nowadays, like it's welcome to be weird and a nerd, but back in, Back in my day, and I was like, nerd, don't t- don't talk to me. You don't listen to Pop or Lil Wayne. Get out of here. You know, I was I was one of those people that, like you say, you were scared to like say the Lord of the Rings thing. Like I was scared to say that I didn't watch other things. Oh, did you see that episode of you know America's Home Funniest Videos the other night? No, I was watching baseball. Well, there's I mean, there's a lot of things wrong with that because you're watching baseball, but. Don't, don't. <laughs> no, I got loud there. I need to. I, I need I'm to be a little, better about that. I will admit, I'm a little salty. So Tuesday night there was a miscommunication in the chain of command at the franchise. Tuesday night the Thunder played, or was it the <laughs> Monday night? I can't remember. They played the Mavericks, and you know, watch the game at the station like we always do. Uh, walk into the studio right when the game's about to end to get ready for the post game show, and then oh my God, the Rangers are playing a spring game, a spring training game. And it's playing over the franchise, so it's in the sixth inning. I'm not going to sit there for another three hours to wait for that game to end. Oh, oh, so we had Brady. To, we I had know. to end up. We had to end up recording a podcast for it. Yes, I. Yes, I. I understand. You know, it's going to be on ESPN now. You're going to have to see highlights of it on Twitter. Miguel Cabrera hitting a home run in the snow was awesome. I don't know if you saw that. Great video. Go look it up. But. They're playing baseball, baseball in the snow. They're they're allowing that to happen. Yes, man. Like Detroit. Ty, Ty Cobb is just rolling in his grave. <laughs> in his, it wasn't he racist? I mean, it, nah. it was back. In the, it, I mean, it was yeah. he was a product of the time. Unfortunately. Anyways, let's it's talk about okay. something. That, and Texas Tech fans are in flames, Mr. Oh, Trendham. this is fine. so juicy. Th- they'll be fine. It's so juicy. I love it. They will be fine. I guess that's a good little reminder to get right into uh, one uh, topic that's rather important right now. And speaking of the Patreon page, Keegan and I this morning, uh, we recorded a 30 or 40 minute uh, basketball coach update podcast Correct. where we put in some 
juicy inside information Keegan's been getting over the last 24 hours. Um, and at the po- at that time, it was as up-to-date and as juicy as it could possibly be. <laughs> and I think one of the last things I said on that show this morning, Keegan, was as soon as we upload this, it's going to be old yep. news. Just watch it happen. An hour later, uh, Porter Moser is, anna- is announced by Jeff Goodman that he is in the running along with Grant McCaslin, which was also rather shocking to see considering like what we talked about on that podcast uh, this morning. Those two names are in the running for the head coaching position at OU, and I don't really want to get into any other names that Correct. we talked about Correct. for obvious reasons. Um, if you know, you know. You know, it's out there on some on other pace. I like Sooner Scoop has it as well. Um, but when I saw Porter Moser and even Grant McCaslin, and we'll just spend a few minutes on this, Keegan, I was I was very surprised. And then when I saw Moser's name, I was like, that is a dream hire because I didn't even think that that was realistic. I thought he was about to sign an extension, if I uh, remember correctly. So the the biggest thing with, with Porter Moser, one... Loyola, Chicago, by the way. Yes. For those uh, who don't know that well. So Porter Moser, first off, you're going to confuse his name with Peter Moser or something else because I did for a couple weeks until I found out the other day. But at the end of the day... I said this from the get-go. That's, I mean, if not the other guy we're, that we've heard getting t- talked to, like, Moser's the guy you call first. Like, no doubt. Like, look at what he's done at Loyola. Like, don't get me wrong. I saw a stat today, a pretty pretty good stat. So, Loyola, during his time at Loyola, like, they are way above 500 team with the Crutwig kid, the big, that yeah. played for him so the last four years. I think like the three years outside of him, they have like they've lost sixteen more games than they've won. So yeah, it's you know it's, it, it, it it makes sense with the talent that he's probably. Uh, when he but start- when you watch them play, Brady, it's like this this is unbelievable. They don't take any bad shots. I mean, they always get good shots. They play great defense. They're fun to watch. Yes, with the lack of talent, correct. And it's really easy to just say. I mean, OU is not a basketball powerhouse, but. You know, you and I have talked about ad nauseum, even on a f- this OU football-centric podcast, that um, OU is still a very good, respected, salty basketball program in its own right. And if you just insert talent that OU can get with a Porter Moser, like, the sky isn't the limit because OU hasn't won a national title yet in its basketball history, but the relative sky is the limit. It's just exciting to think about. So I, I was very happy to see a respected reporter put out that name this morning. I was also at the, to the Grant McCaslin thing, and this is something we talked about on the uh, maybe the, not the podcast we recorded today, but on Tuesday. I mean, like, how up to date do you think that is? That's that's the interesting thing because even like the Eduardo Nahara, that's that's what I thought. Like, how up to date? Like, is he currently in an interview process, or was he already talked to and it's come and gone? But it's just now being, you know, known by some reporter. Sure, you know? and uh, Mexican state. I'm kidding. I'm jo- I'm joking. About well, that. I mean, I didn't know. Like, did we ever figure out? Was so they had there was the one tweet from the not big guy, and then the guy, the big blue check mark guy, that's down there that had like two hundred thousand followers tweeted it. That's when I was like, okay, of course, I need to, Brady. No, of course, don't do it. Well, they're not blue check marks anymore, by the way. I think we need to mention that. Are they not? They're white now. Are they? I think they're just white. I don't think they're blue anymore. They might be blue on certain. I mean, okay, the the icon around it's blue. The check mark is white. Which is why it's really easy to like make a fake 
sure. like Jeff Goodman account. I think someone already did and put like a saw it today. a cloud emoji right Kersey, next to the yeah, name. Cursey yeah. quote tweeted it. Yeah, Cursey quote tweeted it probably because he was like a lot of people and immediately thought, oh, oh okay, that's not real. Well, <laughs> the, and also Red, I've Dirt, done that Red Dirt Sports been on his bullshit the last. <laughs> 16 hours god love them i mean no yeah it's great like that's what makes them great so uh let's i mean to wrap up i i think grant mccasland again we we talked about this on the uh patreon pod today that we pushed out that you can go get on patreon.com slash through the keyhole okay i didn't know if it was a different name or not i didn't know if there's like the facebook page has a it's just facebook.com slash keyhole pod because through the keyhole was taken okay okay. although the the phrase is not copyrighted sure i have i've looked into this so on the we talked about this on the podcast today like if it doesn't sound out of lubbock like fans want mccasland it sounds like that's more of a ad saying they they are currently just (laughs) shocked and and can we please talk about this sure oh my god Dude, I so when I said it, I brought it up a second ago. I follow a uh, a guy since I've started doing Twitter. Right, is a he's grown his Texas Tech hoops fan account quite a bit. Uh, quote tweeted they posted a picture of Chris Beard landing in Texas. The Texas Longhorns official account move uh, account did, and he quote tweeted and put "bitch move from a bitch coach." Oh, it is juicy. <laughs> this is so like now I get whenever like the NBA fans that were not Thunder fans during the Durant thing and they're all like, oh, whatever, like get over, get over it. And like they're laughing at us being all mad and whatever. <laughs> like that, I understand it now because like this is so juicy. I like I said it jokingly, but like is he going to be safe when he goes into that arena in Lubbock? Assuming that there are fans full in the arena. I mean, next winter? Yes, he'll be fine. Well, sure. I'm just thinking, like, from a – I mean, Baker got for as nothing. I mean, he didn't even do that much. Look, Tech fans live to just be noticed, and this is going to help them be noticed. So, yeah. so when Chris Beard and Texas come to Lubbock, you know, one time next year, then they'll get their their notice. What's your What's been your experience with Tech fans? Uh, I mean, tech fans to me, like, and I know quite a bit of tech, uh, quite a few tech fans, and they are cool individually. But you know, as a fan base, they just don't necessarily know how to deal with success very well. And, I mean, you you see that across the country with programs like te- that are rather secondary, like Texas Tech. Whenever they do have that three to five year run, like if they get everything that kind of breaks their way, they get the right coach in, they get some talent in and some other teams maybe fall off in conference, you know, those fan bases have never handled, have never experienced success like that. So the only real bad experience I've had, I guess, would be two. Like, I've been to a game in Lubbock and had a battery thrown at me. Uh, Fortunately, it missed, but eh, tech fans. And then the uh, fun game in Norman in 2008, I'm actually there with my cousin, who at the time was, he had to be like, I was 18, so he must have been 13 or 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And so him and I that morning we went to um, uh, we went to the what was it Oklahoma Gardner Webb game? Because I don't think it was the I don't think it was OU Davidson. I think it was OU Gardner Webb because the year before Gardner Webb like made a little bit of a run in the tournament. So I was like, hey, this might be a fun game with Blake Griffin. And we went to that game ended round early afternoon and then we make the trek from the Lloyd Noble to our tailgate spot over by the stadium and we're passing some uh, tech fans and those tech fans just 
screamed at us, and then they also screamed at my 14-year-old cousin. And so from that point on, I was like, fuck these motherfuckers. <laughs> like, y'all got to yell at a kid, y'all got a reckoning coming your way. And fortunately, Bob Stoops' actually, uh, Bob Stoops's team actually uh, uh, maybe not eat my words that time because they kicked the shit out of them, and it was, it was wonderful, it was beautiful, uh, all, all the good descriptions. So Yes, so I was going to give you my every Texas Tech person that I know I've got one buddy who's a Texas Tech fan, and, I mean, he's reasonable to be around quite a bit. Um, but I, I think whenever you're talking about Tech fans in general, they're just so aggressive. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. They get so mad and so fired up over nothing. Like, like you, you, like the Tech fans, when they come to Norman, if you get around the wrong group of them, they're miserable to be around. Again, it's just a whole bunch of not being able to handle success. Look, I know there there is a large portion of our fan base that is terrible. They're a great baseball fan base. Have they been more consistently successful oh, with baseball? Oh, they've been unbelievable the last five to ten Well, years. I mean 10, 15, 20. Like, what were they 20 years ago? Oh, I don't know. When t- Since Tim Tadlock's been there, they've been phenomenal. So, and the, and well, That actually brings up another point that uh, came to light okay. recently with you, Keegan. I feel silly asking you about how Texas Tech's baseball program was 20 years ago because you don't like history. Oh, <laughs> you're really going to do this. You just don't like history. Oh. You, you're the one who tweeted this out, not me. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. And this is oh, – so, uh, again, provide, we're Provide up, the context. Oh, so, we're bringing, so, we're bringing this up. I actually, as someone that was worse than you, that's more mad about this than you are – which is our, we've already brought him up, our good friend Red Dirt Sport, was basically ready to crucify me for not knowing. But, uh, <laughs> okay, so the NTA... I, I, I don't know if it was just the... I don't know if it was the not knowing. I think it was the... The lack of... Re, the lack of... You just don't like history. No, <laughs> it's not that. So on... When the Alston versus NCAA thing was going on the other the other day, right? So I'm doing I, – I have no idea what's going on. So I'm just doing a ton of research. Well, during the conversation, right, or like the pre-trial or whatever it was, briefings or whatever, one of the – the Alston side brought up the 1980 case of Oklahoma and the Oklahoma Board of Regents against the NCAA. Yeah. And I was like – Oh, wow, that's fascinating. I'm going to go do a bunch of research on this. <laughs> so I did a bunch of research on it and, like, was reading a, b- a bunch of stuff on it. And I was like, oh, wow. I, like, I didn't realize, like, how in-depth this was and what it started and what it became and, like, this and that. And, like, so I don't feel like – I don't feel like I should be – I don't feel like I should be labeled here as, like, not understanding history. Like, did I – was I aware I didn't say you didn't understand history. No, 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 sure, sure. But my point is, is, like, I didn't – I knew it was a thing, right? I didn't know it was as deep as what it was. Okay, well, I I can't remember which thirty for thirty it was. It was the Boz one or the Marks Dupree one. You've seen both of those, haven't I've you? I've seen the Dupree. I haven't seen the or I've seen I've seen both. It's there was one in like it was like a college football the this last year the one hundred and fifty anniversary thing. Yeah, someone said they did a full episode on that case on OU suing the NCAA. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say like. I think, like, I, I just remember, like, a scene in one of those docs where uh, Spencer Tillman mentions it, like, OU versus the NCAA, and then Georgia kind of came to Oklahoma's aid, so it wasn't just OU versus the world at that point. But 
um, yeah, like why are there a zillion channels that play a zillion football games? Yeah. What did it have eventually happened? Probably, but Oklahoma was the first school to not only be pissed off at how things were done, uh, but they were the first ones to do something about it, and which is I've always kind of felt very proud of. And considering how OU was back in the 70s and 80s under Barry Switzer, and if that's not just a Barry Switzer call. Like, that was an administrative, like, money, dollar signs uh, deal, of course. But OU being, like, the bad boys back in the day, like, that was before the Miami Hurricane showed up, uh, is really fun, awesome to me. I like when OU is awesome and just kicks everybody's ass and reminds them of how badass they are. Hopefully we get back to that fairly soon. But OU just telling the NCAA to go fuck themselves. We're going to do what we want is really cool, and I don't know if you saw this, but you know Notre Dame is the NBC team, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you know that. Um, NBC initially uh, asked Oklahoma to be their, to be their team, which is I, what I think spurned this on, like that lawsuit. I think, really? NBC, I think NBC approached Oklahoma and said, hey, we'd like to um, show all of your games. And Oklahoma went up to the NCAA and said, why can't we do this? Like, why can't mm-hmm. we control our own destiny you know tv contract wise so oklahoma for whatever reason i never knew why said no and then nbc centered on notre dame and fortunately i guess for nbc like they didn't get ou because in the 90s they sucked but i don't think notre dame was that good in the 90s either so yeah you get to watch notre dame on nbc every saturday kids so on the history thing this is where i was telling our good friend red dirt sport is that I am very knowledgeable about history and like certain things that take place in history, but because of how I operate in terms of, I literally do nothing as you are, as you know, I literally do nothing but watch tape, watch sports, talk about sports all day. I don't spend a lot of time on like research, but when something like the Alston versus NCAA case, which if you want to get into that, I'd be totally down. I know we've got other stuff listed and I know you want to get to, but that would be a, I I think that's fascinating what happened this week. But when stuff like that happens, I typically figure out two to three more things that I wasn't as sure about because I was doing research. So there you go. There's my, uh, I don't care about history. I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta squash that. I do. I just don't care enough to spend, you know, multiple days on finding things. And if I, do I promise you? You guys will see that research. I won't just leave look, it to myself. Look, I get it. I get it. A lot of people in this country are done dirty by their uh, high school football coaches being history teachers. Uh, like, I, if that's, that's if that was my that's very introduction true. to history, then I probably wouldn't like it either. That's that's very true. But I was fascinated with history, so I've said this, and this is gonna, you get. The, I hope you're like I, I hope, love Indiana Jones too, I, Brady. It's okay. <laughs> like I love I, him too. I hope this gets the response it will on social media whenever I say this and I can't believe I'm saying this because you're going to be like Keegan so like I was big in the like G-O-B geography B shit whenever I was a kid right okay so there you go that's what I'm saying it's like I don't know I've always been into history I just I just choose not to I don't know like I love when we did like Oklahoma history like I would always research more than what I'm supposed to but well, I also Oklahoma, Oklahoma history, as it's taught in public school, is yeah, not great. not great. We've talked about that. We, I, I mean, we've talked about our feelings on all this. But. I, I was rather fortunate um, at Norman when I went to Norman North in high school. My Oklahoma history teacher actually kind of cared. Sure. And that was the first time I had ever heard about the Tulsa Race Massacre. 
and like we talked about it for two days and i was like what happened <laughs> what yeah for sure that's awful <laughs> why didn't i ever know about this moving on to <laughs> less very sad there and we go topics. okay um, We're moving. <laughs> yes. So you had a very good question for me prior to our podcast on Tuesday on Through the Keyhole, Keegan. And I got to say, like, I was busy, like, hooking up the equipment on Tuesday when you asked this. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of busy doing that. But I've been thinking about this since that time. Like, it's a really good question. And it's really simple. Can OU have three 1,000-yard receivers and a 1,000-yard rusher in the same season? And... It happened already, or no? It hasn't. It's had. They've had two one thousand yard and two one thousand yard rushers. rushers. Yeah, which is, I don't know if that's more. Impre- that might be more impressive. But when you asked me that question, my initial answer was no because I'm thinking about it from the context of this team coming up. Like that. That, that that's how I think you framed it in the first place. Anyway, mm-hmm. can this OU team have three one thousand yard receivers and a thousand yard rusher? And I said no. And we kind of went back and forth. And I was like, well, actually. The only way that I think that that could happen is if OU had a Kyler Murray at quarterback, where towards the end of his season, Lincoln started calling a lot more QB design runs, but sure. still, like I would say half of his runs that year were improvised. Mm-hmm. Like Spencer Rattler is not going to improvise and take off and accrue four to 600 yards rushing just off being athletic. Like That's just not his game. So you have to depend on Kennedy Brooks to get enough opportunities or an Eric Gray or a Seth McGowan, like whoever it is to get enough opportunities to accrue a thousand yards in a single season, because it's a little bit more easy to predict that Jaden Hazelwood gets a thousand, that Trajan Bridges gets a thousand, that Marvin Mims, of course, gets like Marvin Mims is probably the one guy that I'm like, he will get a thousand yards. If he just gets two more catches a game, he will get a thousand yards this season. So again, it was a really fascinating, fascinating question that can, uh, really put into perspective how a good this offense can be and b how truly difficult it is to keep everybody happy when you have so much talent at the skill positions so in 2018 kyler murray had 140 rushes in 14 games so 10 again right rattler had and this unfortunately we haven't figured out in college to remove sacks from the whole rushing God, total thing. I know. Yeah. So don't even get me started on rules. I'm very frustrated with rules today because of watching runners on second base in the extra innings of baseball. Are games. they actually that? So they're starting that now. No, that's yeah. That like I, it, thought, I th- thought that was like a triple A thing. No, it was a. They started it last year during the pandemic, and now it it's happening. And two teams lost today because they a single with a runner on second in the extra <laughs> inning. Yeah. Shout out to our friend Keith, and he put out an awesome ass meme. <laughs> He's like. He just quoted, like, let's put runners on second. And then <laughs> the meme was like, sounds like communism, but okay. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I'm so frustrated with that. But regardless, so Spencer Rattler had 81 rushing attempts in 11 games, right? I think that they played 9-2. and two. Yeah, they went 9-2, 11 games. So Kyler had 140 and 14. So with that being said, I mean, there's a lot more yards there. If they have as good of a team as we think they do, that's there's a lot of attempts plus yards there to be made. I'm going to take the assumption Rattler's not going to take a lot of running opportunities yeah. away <laughs> away from well, Kennedy Brooks or Eric Gray. The other thing that's important is not that necessarily that Kyler needed this to thrive because he's so athletically gifted, sure. 
but Kyler played behind possibly quite possibly the best offensive line in Oklahoma history in, in terms of the modern sure. era. Like I'm not going to sit here and compare spread offense of every offensive lines to wishbone Al- offensive lines. But from, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say from every game until the Alabama game, because good God. Well, I mean, that was just a different yeah. – well, you know, like they were a different animal, sure, but OU started to cl- – I mean, we know. We know what happened after the first quarter. Yeah, no, Like I OU's agree. offensive line at least – they adapted to the talent. It just took them, unfortunately, a, a quarter. But even still, when you're out there for three seconds because your defense can't stop anybody. Oh, for sure. So back to the 2018 team. So Marquise Brown and CeeDee Lamb had – Marquise had 1,300. CeeDee Lamb had 1,100. You had Lee Morris, Grant Calcaterra, Carson Meyer, and a handful of others get somewhere around 70 to 80 receptions. So, I, I mean, I would assume that it's going to be spread out that much. But here's the thing, and this is may get into a point of topic on this podcast that I could definitely – we could definitely discuss. But, like, how I feel about this team is, like, how do you get the most talent on the field? Well, I look at it and I say Marvin Mims, Trudgeon Bridges, and Jaden Hazelwood have to be on the field. So, sorry, sorry, former patron Theo Weiss. Sorry, and <laughs> but like because like, there are talented H backs that need to be on the field. Like Jeremiah Hall needs to be on the field. Austin Stogner needs Austin to be on Stogner the, is going to be on the field. field. Yes. Oh, and then Mikey Henderson, <laughs> who's like well, I again he is on my calendar of like day three, right? Because he's number three to yeah. get done. And, and then like we've got to mention it in terms of talent. He doesn't really belong, but in terms of production, Drake Stoops belongs yeah. on the field. He proved it last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you look at it, and I say, so for basically two and a half quarters of every of nine games this year, I have a feeling Lincoln's just going to roll with the punches. I'm, I'm, this is not me saying based on any information I know. This is just me trying to picture what Lincoln's going to want to do because you get into a playoff game, right? It's a lot better if – Shamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Thaddeus Moss, Terrace, uh, uh, Terrace Marshall, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Joe Burrow are playing multiple quarters and t- entire games together throughout the season. You want that. Like the more the more chemistry you can have, the better you will be. So, with that being said. Well, I mean, what's there to say that Marvin Mims, Bridges, and Hazelwood, if those three are on the field almost on every play and they only use one H-back quite a bit, I mean, I think that's three 1,000 – I think that's capable. I mean, I don't I don't think that's out of the complete – Well, I don't know. Is, is Spencer throwing underneath this time? <laughs> you know, like, that's obviously part of the conversation, but this is under the assumption that the adding belt. Hazelwood and Bridges to the mix – like, if you add Hazelwood and Bridges, who we think they are, and, like – under the impression that who I think they're going to be this year. Yep. If put those two on last year's team, I mean they're playing in a national championship game, aren't they? Uh, I, because like look like look at this uh, like Austin Stogner got hurt in the Kansas game and Rattler was a completely different player. It's important to note, and because I I can't remember was it uh, Perrion Winfrey that said this recently in one of his in one of these recent pressers this yeah. week where um, in the locker room following Iowa State. Uh, it was obviously a very down energy. Everybody's pissed off. They lost their second game in you know three games already that year. Um, and then, of course, like the entire inspiration of the rest of the year was to never feel like that again. Yes, they they felt like that they had uh, cheated themselves and lost two games that they should have won, and then they went on a tear. 
Does that happen if OU is at full strength to start the year and then they simply beat Kansas State and Iowa State? Maybe they lose again. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they don't go on that tear. So, like, everything happens for a reason, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. I, I would just be – that team last year was not playoff caliber. You could argue that they were. Mm-hmm. That's fine, but I'm of the opinion that they just simply weren't ready. Well, I watched – Which is fine. I watched – to, to your point, I watched Justin Fields, who I guess according to the NFL draft community isn't good enough to be taken in the first – That's that's the fucking to, stupidest to, shit it's, I've so ever it's, heard. It's, 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 it's so watch, beyond – Watch the playoffs, man. It, it's so beyond frustrating because, like, even me, I can sit here and I can tell you that Justin Fields has an issue – being decisive making decisions and that's something we've talked about with Rattler right like that's a part of the game that he has to evolve as he gets to the NFL because if he is a half second late in that league he's going to be a you don't want to be a half second late in that league so you you look at it I I think that like that situation Brady it's just a bunch of people that they're just trying to get attention attention like Chris Sims is like really trying to like the Capital- Mac Jones thing. Capitalize on, well, I'm kind of like a mid-level analyst guy. <laughs> More people know who my dad is in terms of being an on-air camera guy. Does this have anything to do with him playing at Texas? No, he's my favorite Texas quarterback of all time. I love the guy. I wish he'd never had left. Texas, right? Is he Florida State? No, he's Texas. Texas. Yeah, I love Chris Sims. He All he did was throw to OU defensive backs. I miss him to this day, Keegan. But in terms of his post-football you know, football playing career... He's just looking at this opportunity right now and saying, this is a chance I have to get a lot more attention. So, Mac Jones, yeah. come on down. Which, I think Mac Jones is actually kind of a good – he's much better than the game manager that he gets labeled yeah, as. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, but uh-uh. Justin Fields is better. Trevor Lawrence is better. Hell, Zach the, Wilson. The Zach, the BYU, BYU kids, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. He, I think, is better in terms of just talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, like – all this is just Mac Jones could go go on to have the best career of all these guys, and it would simply be because he gets drafted by the better team with the better talent around them, and luck just goes his way. But Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are just unequivocally more talented than him. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't argue otherwise. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Is like one, two, three is pretty obvious to me. I mean, it's for me, it's Lawrence Wilson Fields. I wouldn't take Lance before like pick nine. And I wouldn't take Mac Jones before, like, pick 24. But, damn it, we're trading up 12 spots to go get Mac Jones or 10 spots to go get Mac Jones with the third pick. Like, what the f- are we doing? Well, speaking of this, can I just for five seconds be excited to be a Miami Dolphins fan? You should be. You should be very <laughs> excited. You're literally sitting there at pick number six, Brady, and you you're you know. Oh, it's th- so good. You know <laughs> you're getting either Jamar Chase or Kyle, or Kyle Pitt. Pitt. Yes. <laughs> Get yeah. Kyle Pitts, man. Please, God. Yeah. If he um, gets that, Tua, all of Tua's issues are uh, out of the picture. Which, you know, I thought Houston was going to be uh, whoever the Houston GM was. Was it, what, was it uh, what's his name, the former head coach, Bill? Bill yeah, B.O.B., Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. So yeah. he was the coach GM. Yeah. I see. I thought Bill O'Brien was going to be the best GM in Miami Dolphin history for that bullshit trade for Laramie Tunsil. Yeah. Uh, but, but, hey, but real quick, Tunsil did pan out, though. That no, was a good trade. No, t- it was a good trade, but yeah. my God. Yeah. Houston, everything else around Tunsil and Watson was terrible. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then also their Arizona trade just makes you like question it Correct. even further. Absolutely. Now, I thought Bill O'Brien was going to be the best Miami Dolphin GM of all time, but uh, actually, was it John Lynch at San Francisco? He's their GM? Yes. John Lynch is trying to make a, uh, make a case to be that because you know they trade up 
take the Dolphins number three pick, and San Fran's like, ooh, sweet, we got all this. And, yeah, we had to give up a first next year to Miami, and then a first the year after that, even though we're probably not going to be very good and probably might need those first-round picks. Mm -hmm. Even if they identify a quarterback, whether it be Mac Jones or Justin Fields or whoever, because I, like them probably, I've never believed in Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, They should have moved on from him a year ago. Yep. Uh, But whatever. But the the chances of them being good, drafting a rookie quarterback, very slim. Just very, very slim. So that pick next year for the Dolphins is going to be awesome. So now I know how Thunder fans feel. Like, it, it is just incredible oh, this is to, to look forward to just the cornucopia of draft picks that you have at your disposal. Listen, I sent you a draft simulator mock thing I did, right, about a month ago or a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I literally traded down from three and the other first-round pick that I had, like, Najee Harris getting picked at or whatever. You trade down from there, Brady. It's like Sam Presti in the draft. I mean, you you trade down from three. That that, that pick at six can turn into multiple more first-round picks next year. See, that that's the funny thing is, like, San Fran's like, oh, man, we just swindled the Dolphins. <laughs> They're all the way out in, the, like, a past pick number 10. Hey, hey, what the, what the fuck are you doing back here? How did you get here? <laughs> oh, they they swindled us. Can we take back? No? Oh, fine. But I, I, realistically, okay. I would say this. I still want to believe in Tua Tungavailoa. I still want to. It was a weird rookie season for him, production-wise. Yeah. And it was also just a a weird rookie offseason for everybody. So the Dolphins can now look at this and go, well, let's really see what he is with a full year, full offseason under his belt as the starter. Uh, Kyle Fitz, uh, Fitzmagic, uh, Ryan Fitzmagic is now gone. Um, let's see what he can do with a full season under his belt next year. And if he isn't the guy... Well, then they've got, you know, very very good draft picks coming that they could go after Spencer Rattler very very likely or whoever the top end quarterback is coming out of next year. So it's very. This is the first time in my 21 years of being a Miami Dolphins fan that I've been excited. So it's a it's a fun feeling. Be, yeah, this the Flores hire was he's great. He's great really, coach. Really really good. Probably, um, probably the first Bill Belichick disciple to be actually worth a damn. Yeah, probably. So, for sure, and we'll we'll uh, we'll be getting we'll be getting some NFL draft people on uh, starting next week. Actually, I Ooh. can announce this. It's a f- like I, I know I brought it up a couple weeks ago. Mark Schofield, he's gonna he's gonna try, he's gonna hump on on and through the Patreon on on through the Patreon. <laughs> I've probably had one full, destination wedding. Full, probably the full thing on the Patreon, but enough of OU talk to include because he does mostly quarterbacks. So it's gonna yeah. be uh, it'll be really good. But yeah, I, I think like. Just to wrap up to the three 1,000-yard receivers, 1,000-yard rusher, again, this is me more projecting and thinking about how Lincoln's going to attack teams this year as well. And that's a little – <laughs> I mean, I know not a lot of people are thinking about that come April 1st, um, which shout-out to most people I saw on Twitter today did not participate in April Fool's, so I wanted to give a shout-out to that because April Fool's is an overrated thing that we do in society. Uh, I thought it was April second today. I thought yesterday. I didn't know there was a March thirty first yesterday. I uh, I thought it was April second today because I saw. Uh, speaking of my Lord of the Rings nerdum, I follow the One Ring dot net on Instagram. It's like the, uh, it's a. I guess it's essentially like the official Instagram account of the Amazon series that's being filmed in New Zealand right now. <laughs> yeah, and they had posted this. Uh, they had posted this picture of Mel Gibson how he was just recently cast as a one of the kings of Numenor from the storyline. And I looked at it, and I was like, 
I, I don't hate this because that character is supposed to be was once good and then becomes evil. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't hate this, even though Mel Gibson has just turned into a POS, you know, over the last 10, 12 years. And then someone reminded me that it was April 1st. Day. I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't get sports duped, but I got nerd duped. Yeah, so, for I mean, sure. How cool am I? Yeah. I mean, so if the other thing real quick to wrap this up, is it Kennedy Brooks or is it Eric Gray? That gets the thousand yards. That is yards. such a. G- if anyone's predicting Eric Gray to go off, like, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say that you shouldn't be hopeful because I'm hopeful for Eric Gray. Sure. But if, but if you're just going to assume that Eric Gray is going to be a gigantic part of the offense, I don't I don't know where that comes from. Just because Lincoln Riley is so hard to predict with the running game. Yep. Um, there are times where, and we all know this, that he just forgets that you can hand the fucking ball off. Well, sure, <laughs> but at the same time too, like, he just. Like Kennedy, obviously, he was like, "Okay, we need to get him in rhythm, get him in rhythm." And you guys will see on the video that I'm uploading right now. Um, most of you all will, but not most, I guess. But regardless, like, I mean, it went from zero to 100 in a week with Kennedy. It went from 10 carries to 20 carries in a week. Yeah, I mean, he has a comfort level with 26. I don't know, I. I can't explain how he does it. I don't get why Kennedy Brooks is able to do what he does. There's a comfort level with Lincoln Riley. He doesn't fumble. Damn it. He, like, you'll see in the video. He does nothing wrong. It's, it <laughs> makes, it's so frustrating because, like, if literally if he had any sort of, like, ability to house runs, like, not like top, he gets to a good top end speed, Brady, but, like, if he could maintain it and run at that, t- like, speed for a long time, he'd be, unbelievable but so i just like again i i want people to understand like the thing is is like i'll talk about this in the video i don't mind if they do a bunch of two back stuff next year now that i'm thinking more about this right now i don't mind to do a bunch more two back stuff but again you have to be careful with that because if austin stogner is the h back that you have to use right he's gonna have to block more than he probably should Right, because he's gonna as an H if he's the H back on the field and they have two running backs on the field with two wide receivers, he's probably gonna have to block more or do something that's not necessarily towards his strengths. Yeah. So with that being said, if so who, between Jaden Hazelwood, Tredron Bridges, Marvin Mims, Theo Wee, Drake Stoops, who comes off the field? Like I don't know. I don't know who. I don't know the quiet answer there, but. It's we'll we'll get more into this as I have more to explain and you can read it before me coming on air and talking about it. However, I know there's something that's been pressing on your mind since it happened, and I want to give you the floor for this. Chandler Morris's dad is now a head. Yeah, coach I was happy Allen. you jumped to that. Um, but real quick, I'll ask you this philosophical question because it's hard to predict like three hundred thousand okay. yard right, blah blah blah. Can OU win a national title if OU has no one thousand yard receivers? No. Can they win a national title if they have one 1,000-yard receiver? I'm pulling up 2019 LSU stats real quick. Give me a sec. Okay. Uh, because I would say that the running game needs to come because the passing game is just going to be there. Like, the the numbers will be there. That's something that we can all easily predict. I don't know how Eric Gray really kind of comes into all this because I don't know what a fair comp for him is in terms of Lincoln Riley having a running back that can be involved in the passing game. Uh, because the only two backs that spring to mind that he's had have been Joe fucking Mixon and Rodney Anderson. And Eric Gray, just from a physical standpoint, is in, is not in the same breath of those two. 
but he's still very talented and can be involved in the pass game. So I don't know how Lincoln's going to utilize him. I know that Lincoln's going to find out some ways. I don't know where that balance is with him uh, in terms of running the football compared with Kennedy Brooks or Seth McGowan. But uh, I just want I want less and less um, OU forgetting that they can run the football when they absolutely should be doing it, like when they're up 31-17 against Texas with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson all went over 1,500 yards from line of scrimmage. Yep, that's them in 01 Miami, maybe 04 <laughs> USC, man. That, that, that's just what it is. <laughs> so, but to what we're saying, right, like you have heard me say this since that game, right, how can Oklahoma get to the mathematical part of the formula to where they fit what LSU did in 2019? Historic offense, good enough defense, good special teams, great coaching staff. Yeah. Right? Like, that is the mix. Like, Oklahoma doesn't need to come out and have a top 10 defense. Spoiler. I think they might. I think this could be a top 10 defense. So, maybe the bearing on the offense isn't as much as I anticipate. Yeah. However, that speaks to me and says, okay, what if Marvin Mims, Trudgeon Bridges, and Jane Hazelwood, right? Like, Shamar Chase and Justin Jefferson had 3,200. Like, that can be split up between three people. Now, they may not hit your 1,000-yard receiver for each guy, but two of them are in the 1,000 yards. One of them's near it, and then you have a 1,000-yard rusher, maybe two. I mean, yeah. there's, I mean there, there is a chance from a historical perspective, and then, like, whenever we're talking about this, I'll ask back to you before we jump into the Chandler Morris thing. Like, oh, we've talked about this, actually. Oklahoma is going to be a 10-plus point favorite in every game they play this year besides Iowa State at home. As long as Iowa State doesn't screw up. If Texas is undefeated, which they could be, if they're undefeated, that will be a that will be a. What seven. if OU just beats the absolute out of their first five, first four games? They go on the road to Manhattan and beat Kansas State by forty. Well, they'll be definitely be three and zero. They'll definitely be three and zero going into Manhattan to play Kansas State. Yes. And if OU wins by, you know, double digits, 14, 17 points. Mm-hmm. And Texas is undefeated. Like that'll and still struggles. That'll right. that'll still be a seven, seven and a half. I would hammer the absolute out of that line. I would too, and that that is a scenario like we're getting way too ahead of ourselves. But if sure. that happens, like that's when I'm like, oh, a 65-13 is, <laughs> is fucking incoming sure. right now. This Chandler, is, Chandler Morris yeah. and Chad Morris. His daddy is now the head coach at, of Allen High School, and man, just so many coincidences in life. Keegan, this is just so it's so awesome how life works out. Um, Chandler Morris is just out here. He's just trying to play football. There's no ulterior motive here. There's, um, he, like he just he's just innocent. He's just an innocent kid trying to play his football while his daddy, who used to coach at the D1 level, multiple programs, is also just trying to be close to his son. I don't give a rat's ass about this family anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you and Kersey were all like, man, uh, I mean, don't, don't Lincoln, throw me into this. Uh, well, no, because you tweeted it out. No, I did, but like, but I, I know, at least I, explained it further. Yeah, I mean, I know you guys are all like, oh, Lincoln, you need to like relinquish the uh, the hold on his NLI. Hey, he's going to do it anyway. Sure. Who gives a shit? Like, he's going to do it anyway. And if Chad Morris goes out of his way to block OU from recruiting kids out of Allen High School, Sure. Then, oh, you can do something about it. Yeah. So, like, my biggest thing is that I'm not, I'm less worried about, like, it affecting, like, Oklahoma with kids from Allen. It's just more of a, with the kind of 
crosshairs that we have on DFW with Texas, the way they're recruiting in DFW and in Alabama. I, I, I just don't think it's in Lincoln Riley's favor to have anybody that's had their ruffles, you know, Feathers ruffled there a little go. bit, you know. Ruffled feathers. I was about to. That well, ruffles are very good. Chips, ruffles dude. are good. Yeah. Um. So I don't. I see that. My point was more towards. I don't see any more benefit to holding this out. They're going to stick to their guns, though. You know. So I, I, I understand it. My biggest thing again is that, from the Oklahoma side, and I, I, I think I may have sent this to you in a text, or I, I definitely sent it to somebody. If Lincoln would have just said when Chandler say 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 Chandler Morris called, we need to we need to clarify something real quick. A lot of people are misunderstood on this part. Chandler Morris didn't ask for eligibility immediately until he found out that the rule was likely going to be changed. Mm. So like, I thought my, I thought he was just trying to play football. All right, listen, listen. So from that perspective. If I was Oklahoma at the time, right, what would have been the problem saying, okay, we know the rule's going to be changed. We're going to let you do this. We're not fans of it, whatever, and release it. And before Chandler Morris can say anything, you release a statement that says, we have released Chandler Morris from his NLI. We are not a fan of this rule. Everybody needs to think long and hard about what we're doing here. That would have gotten the same message across. I don't know if it would have got the message across to the players. Sure. That yeah. could in the future be potentially thinking about transfer. In terms of Oklahoma players, right? Yes. That's what you're saying? Okay. But I, like you yeah, also, I agree with you. You also pointed this out, I think, yesterday, how like quickly OU's fan base has gone from, like, this is bullshit, <laughs> this happens, to go ahead and let it happen. <laughs> because what school will benefit from this, probably? Not TCU, not Texas, not that level yeah. of school, but... You know, probably the school that has a chance to win the Big 12, a national title. So, like, you're just talking about OU in Texas. So, yeah. go ahead and make it easier for Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's my big thing, too. It's like, from Oklahoma fans' perspective, whenever they look at it, it's just like, okay, well, let it happen. Like, I don't get why you guys wouldn't want this to happen. Like, it helps you. If you think, again, we've talked about this, I think, on the Through the Keyhole pod on the Patreon, but, like, I don't feel like it's going to be – this crazy issue because everybody said the same thing about the transfer portal and it hasn't been an issue. Now, college basketball in the transfer portal, it's, making, it's getting it's, close. It's making old coaches just retire because they're like, fuck this. Sure. Roy Williams is like, I'm done. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I liked when he could just pay high schoolers and they would just come here and stay for three years if they weren't good enough to go to the draft. Now they are now they can just leave when they want? You know, I, I'm not a huge fan of, like, bringing up – so, like, Lon Kruger retiring and, you know, someone – not saying you. I'm just saying someone in general brings up, like, oh, like, the team lost five or six games this year. Okay, we're going to be fine. Like, I'm not a huge fan of that, but Alex Kirshner, right, great follow on Twitter. He brought up <laughs> – after Roy Williams talked about that, he goes, we talk a lot about coaches' past, right? We don't talk enough about how – Roy Williams was a part of a scheme that his <laughs> players <laughs> his players were literally taking classes that they didn't do anything in and were getting that, credits for that it. That didn't exist. <laughs> no, they existed, right? Because North Carolina stood on the grounds that one paper that was worth one paragraph that these everybody in the class sent in was worth a credit to get a degree. They sat on that hill. They died on that hill. They died on that Chapel Hill. It is unbelievable. I like I'm proud of them for it from like <laughs> chaos like college sports perspective. They ain't come here to play school, man. No, everybody knows. 
Um, do you want to do research on the Alston NCA thing and then talk about it next week on the Thursday? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. let's do that. Do I, 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 I think because that's going to be important. Um, we're into the Chandler Morris thing. So let me here, – here's my final take on this. I am at a point where it's just not worth it, in my opinion, to keep this going. But if Chad Morris is really negatively recruiting people and kids – like so, like from a Nick Saban perspective, if you remember the audio that got leaked of the visit he had on Zoom with the kid, yes. So, like, it's disrespectful if Chad Morris is behind the scenes telling kids not to go to Oklahoma because, and this is not me being a homer. He was at all. mean to my son. Well, in general, who though, who took advantage of the whole thing? It would be in some of his kids' best interest to go to Oklahoma. Like, because Oklahoma's like kind of good. Yeah, well, in develop and developing. Yeah, yeah, if there's a wide receiver, like, like Texas, Texas A and M, like A and M's getting closer on the NFL offensive line. People, they they kind of match Oklahoma in history there. But I just, I I don't understand from the Morris side as well. And if anybody from the Morris side is listening, which they damn well <laughs> could be, um, my. I just don't understand it. I don't – that doesn't make any sense to me why they would hold any grudges against Oklahoma here because in the end of the day, if you've got a five-star offensive lineman and you feel that he will develop his best at Oklahoma and you yeah. want what's best for that kid's future, you send him to Oklahoma because at the end of the day, for Chad Morris's sake, Lincoln Riley holds the cards here. And you've been waiting for me to say this this entire time, but Lincoln Riley does hold – all the cards to what Chad Morris wants to do if he wants to do it. Exactly. And look, I I am just assuming like I I'm not I I can't sit here and say that Chad Morris is going to actively do it, but just like I've said this entire time on the whole Chandler Morris thing, like both sides look silly, both sides aren't wrong, but don't think that we're idiots. Sure. Like, don't don't be dumb. Sure. So when you look at this entire situation and how it's unfolded and who's, like, ended up where and who has a job where, don't sit there and say, it's not fishy. Don't don't be suspicious of anything. It's like, don't – I'm not an idiot. So that, that's all I'll say about that. He's gone. He's, he's TCU's quarterback for the foreseeable future. Chandler Morris is incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. He's going to make TCU very good if he's be able to uh, be healthy and uh, TCU does a good job of putting skill guys around him, which TCU always has some pretty salty skill guys uh, to their own merit. So uh, it's going to be a formidable opponent for a few years, potentially. And Gary Patterson, we know what he's always capable of. So anything else? I mean, I, I put down Scott Frost talking openly. Let's touch on that real quick. Just embar- further embarrassment. Just touch on it a little bit. Yeah, just further embarrassment. He... I don't understand from a freaking competitor's perspective. That's a dead man walking is what he sure. sounds like. But I, you, you'll get, because you know me well enough to where I'm coming from with this. I don't give him a freaking competitor's perspective why he didn't just come out and say, I wasn't, like, I, I get it would throw the university under the bus and you don't want to throw your bosses under the bus. But why, what would have been so hard is that as a coach, I am very, I was always excited to play this game. The players are excited for the opportunity to go play against the University of Oklahoma and Norman. Like, instead of just giving these very weird, passive-aggressive quotes on, like, it doesn't make any sense. Especially if you already think, which he sounds like it, especially when you think you're going into a season where you think you could be fired afterwards because you're not going to win a lot of games, and Nebraska's not going to win a lot of games. No. So I'm not going to sit here and say that it's a lame duck season, 
because Nebraska would love to hold on to Scott Frost, but they they need to have some return. Yes. They're not going to get it this year, so he could very well be fired after this season. So if Scott Frost thought that, he could he could have totally thrown Nebraska under the – like at least the administration, his bosses, not necessarily like the school that he went to and he loves and he's lived for his entire life except for that year or two stint where he went to Stanford mm-hmm. uh, prior to transferring to Nebraska. Uh, but, yeah, like a missed opportunity for him, but it's just further embarrassment on the entire – just when I thought it was like we've moved on and laughed our laughs at Nebraska, like, no, they reminded me of it. And I'm just like, man, they got an ass kicking coming their way of biblical proportions. Yeah. So I was like reading those quotes and I was of the mind, like, this makes it worse, right? <laughs> so this went from a 45 point to loss to 60. Y- yeah. Yeah. And so, like, Again, th- we're looking at an Oklahoma. Caleb's throwing bombs in the third quarter. We uh, know this, right? Third, third and three and a half. We're seeing Micah <laughs> Bowens in the fourth. Um, in this game, no, I, I again, I, I, I've been listening, and we're gonna have Adam McClintock on the uh, Patreon. I, that's another name I haven't brought up yet. College football professor. Need to get, need to big, get, big analytics conversation. Need to get with Derek him. Peterson on. See what Derek Peterson to. wants to come on. Yeah, we need to get him on. Yeah, he. You need to explain this shit. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I so I tweeted, like, why would Nebraska not have made a statement by now? The day that all of this happened, and he responded and said, "LOL." <laughs> so, you know, uh, but Derek's great. No, Derek, I was supposed to go on with Derek. He asked me to break down Nebraska last year and to like come on their podcast and talk about what's wrong with their offense. Mm, they suck. And. <laughs> And I couldn't do it because of the. Uh, it was the same week that the West Virginia game was canceled, and as Brady knows, I was very busy. The I was very upset that day. <laughs> I was very busy that day, so I was. Uh, yeah, so I'm. Uh, I'm with Nebraska. Like, I've said this. We don't know what's going to happen with Kansas basketball if they get nuked over this FBI deal, which it looks like that could be coming. I'm cool with Nebraska and Kansas just joining the American Conference and Wichita State just directing them in basketball for, like, four <laughs> years. Like, I, I would find more joy in Wichita State and Kansas and Kansas State. And, like, Iowa State, like, that would be a good American Conference. That's where you guys belong. I'm kidding. Yeah. Iowa State people, I love you. Your football program's amazing. I love it. Brady hates I talk about him so much, but it's great. Keegan, my last thing before we uh, leave and maybe have a few drinks here at Vanessa House before we do uh, fully depart. Did you know that there is a CoachMikeStoops.com and it's an official website? Did you know this? Brady. I've been on that thing every day. All right, just tell me what's on it. List of accomplishments, a noticeable absence of certain bowl games that sure. aren't there. Sure. And, uh, I don't know. I, you know, The algorithm might have been fucked up for all I know. You know Jeff's going to have tweeted us over this, right? What is his name? Oki Tide or something? Jeff oh, in Oklahoma. Jeff. Oh, Jeff in Oklahoma or George in Oklahoma. Like, uh, yes, there are people that like Mike because his last name is Stoops and because for. I think what, it's a burner. F- for four years, uh, Mike Stoops was a very good defensive coordinator. Have you gone and looked at this guy's tweet? That's it. Well, <laughs> 03. He was, but then he left. He le- he left and he quit. So it's fine. I like. I'm not trying to say more here but like rich rod won more games or just as many at arizona as okay regardless. mike stoops head coach at arizona he was he had to replace he had to up, he had to rebuild well which. like 
it was a respectable program considering Arizona's expectations, but also considering that it seemed like once he got the quote-unquote ball rolling, they were always a tough out for whoever was the top-end Pac-10 Pac team at the time. And it was like towards the end of Pete Carroll's um, era at USC. So, like, I remember him beating Oregon twice when they were highly ranked. 07 was the year that it, it, Mike Stoops beat Oregon on a Thursday night. And all you had to do was go down to Lubbock, beat Texas Tech, and they're either number one or number two the following week. And then Sam Bradford gets hurt, gets a concussion, and, oh, and loses in Lubbock. So that goes out of the window. So Mike was always like a – he kind of reminded, like, the career kind of reminds me of Mike Leach without the high end uh, of Mike Leach's career. Like, everything else under that, fairly comparable to a Mike Leach's stint at Arizona. That's all I got. I was going to say, did you know Robert Gronkowski played for Mike at Arizona? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and Nick, Big Dick Nick. Big. <laughs> <laughs> you just said Super that. Bowl champion Big Dick Nick. No, you win a ring, man. You get, to call, you get called by your nickname. Is, uh, does, did, was Joe's. Uh, Joe Burrows, was it acceptable to call him that after the national championship game? Uh, it was possibly big, big one of the coo- big dick Joe. Possibly one of the coolest video clips I've ever seen of him smoking a cigar after just ca- yeah. so so calmly and casually after dismantling Clemson. Like, look, I, I want OU to do that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But it, here we we know this: if OU does win a national title this year, they will not be subtle about it. No, they will act rather. Like they had, you know been who there the before. first target. You know who the first target will be after that game. Who? Who do you mean? Like who will like be recruiting? Uh, no, no. Who will be the target from OU to attack? On uh, college football Reddit oh. Twitter account. Oh my lord! <laughs> we haven't even discussed that, that since that all that troll, gar- all that garbage. That's ah, it's okay. You just play the hits. You well, know, like it's pandemic, we're all kind of hurting, so you got to go back to the bag. But th- that was my point. Is like people would be like, "Oh, you Homer? Like, of course you would tweet that." It's like. No, I appreciate good jokes. The same joke four times in four days is a little much. Like, even from my liking, it's like, I'm, I will stand with you, my audience that I represent. I will stand with you in saying that's a little ridiculous. Yeah, fuck them. Who cares? There you go. Well? Beautiful night at Vanessa House, Brady. The sun is still up. This is why I like spring and summertime. It's uh, much better. Warmer. When the sun is out later and not going down at 4.30 or 5 like it does in wintertime. But we are right in the midst of spring football. We'll have a little bit more uh, practice reports, practice rumors, just chatter around the team in the coming days. Put me on the spot. Uh, but it, well, it's just been consistent. I'm, it just has just, been. I'm safely assuming. I'll make an ass out of you and me. You, you know. You know I will. <laughs> we'll be putting all that stuff up on our Patreon page at Through the Keyhole. Uh, once again, just $4 a month for podcasts and all the updates. $5 a month gets you all that, plus uh, Keegan's film reviews, which Kennedy Brooks's film review, big film review, will be dropping later this evening. It is up right now. It is up right now, so uh, look forward to that. Look forward to watching that. Of course, I do. Uh, so there's your Patreon shout-out, last one for the show. Um, also, thank you, everybody, for listening to Inside OU and continuing to listen to Inside OU. Greatly appreciate that. Appreciate everything uh, about just the entire equation. Thank you all so, so much. Continue to do so if you don't I mind. I co-sign on what Brady's saying. Um, if you haven't done it already, leave some five-star ratings and reviews. We will greatly appreciate that. Uh, but until next Thursday for Inside OU or Tuesday for Through the uh, through the Keyhole, thank you, everybody. God bless. And, of course, Boomer, you're sooner. <laughs>